This is Are We Europe, the podcast for changing continents. We ask the small questions and get the big answers. We dive into all things European cultures and identities and bounce all over the continent. It's about the places and people that come to life in sound-rich stories. Readouts from our print magazines, episodes from one of the amazing podcasts in our podcast family, or intimate behind-the-scenes interviews with our favorite storytellers and Europe's most talented creators. We got it all on this channel. It's Europe, streaming right in your ears. Are we, are we on? Are we? Are we Europe? What the truth is and how it should be told. I think there are a lot of borders to be broken. You can build it together. Community. And I believe in Josh. Open minds, open borders, openness. Try to make Europe sexy with all senses. Are we? Are we? Are, are we, we Europe? Europe? <laughs> what up? Are we Europe? Boom. Hi, and welcome to Are We Europe? Today you're listening to a story from our latest print magazine, The Queer Issue. Waiting for the cut scene. How a queer video game character made me fall in love. Written by Edwin van der Scheer. Read out by Priyanka Shankar. It's a warm August evening and most people are outside enjoying the last rays of sunshine. I'm sitting in my bedroom with the curtains closed so that the light does not interfere with the artificial glare of my television. The set is hooked up to a gaming console, a splash of blood accompanied by the mighty roar of a winged monstrosity spells out the game's title on the screen, Dragon Age Origins. The portal to a reality far grittier yet grander than the one outside my bedroom window. Released in 2009, Dragon Age Origins was developed by BioWare, a Canadian studio renowned for its story-driven game design. The video game is set in a fantasy world reminiscent of Game of Thrones, filled with dark undertones and political intrigue. Having created a character to their liking, the player has to fight their way through highwaymen, demons and the like. The battle sequences are intercut by cinematic dialogue scenes in which they can choose from multiple responses which allow the story to branch out into various unpredictable directions. Throughout this journey, the player is joined by a diverse cast of companions. Like pieces on a chessboard, these characters can be moved around by the player during fight scenes, but they also come with their own personality voice acting performance and storyline. These storylines are mostly left to be discovered by the player during extensive conversations at the game's campsite which players often return to in between adventures. When I first started playing the game at 15, I was still quite the closeted kid who was only barely coming to terms with his sexuality. As such, I was left both equally shocked and ecstatic when one of my character's companions, Zevrin, an elven character who can only be described as Shrek's puss in boots with pointy ears, openly came out as bisexual during one of our conversations around the campfire. I fancy many things, he said with a suave voice. I fancy things that are beautiful and things that are strong. I fancy things that are dangerous and exciting. Would you be offended if I said I fancied you? The game paused patiently waiting for me to pick one of the following responses. No, but you needn't bother. Not at all. 
But I'm a man. Uh, yes, actually. Suddenly, my heart was beating faster than it would during the fiercest battles. What would happen if I picked the second option, I wondered. Not at all, my character responded after my pulse had settled. It was a decision with immediate consequences as it meant the start of a romantic subplot between my character and Zevrin, which would slowly but steadily develop throughout the rest of the game. Zevrin's storyline was an eye-opener. Not only was I presented with a queer character in a safe and familiar environment, I was the one who wielded the controller, and it was up to me whether or not my character would become a part of this romance. Unlike books or films where the direction of the plot is set in stone by the author, games put the player in charge. This comes with a certain level of agency. My conversation with Zevrin provided me with a sense of control over situations that I'd previously felt were entirely out of my hands. It was empowering. However, as revolutionary as this form of representation was at the time, and as empowering as this experience was to me personally, that kind of agency came with a price. Should the player decide not to pursue this queer subplot, little representation was left. The queerness of Dragon Age Origins was very much an opt-in experience and those not interested could happily game on. A mere 17 months after the release of Dragon Age Origins, a sequel was released. Dragon Age II offered an expanded yet very similar approach to its queer subplots. Beyond the opt-in storylines, representation was still scarce. One of the few instances that were presented featured the character of Serendipity, an elven sex worker who shows up for about as long as an average blink of the eyes. Serendipity just has three lines, all sexual puns and spoken in a deep masculine voice. Due to the fiddly nature of game development, which gives developers only a certain quantity of assets to work with, she was given a female body model making her physique identical to all other women in the game. While she was originally meant to represent a male drag queen, this specific appearance let her be read by some to represent a transgender woman. Critics would point out that she came across as a rushed, stereotypical butt of the joke and she was yet another trans character in the role of a prostitute without any nuance. The writers at Bioware took the criticism to heart. They decided they could do better and so they did. In 2014, more than three years after the release of Dragon Age II, Dragon Age Inquisition came out to critical acclaim. Following the ambitions expressed by the developers, the game marked a major step forward in queer representation. It went beyond opt-in romantic subplots and embraced several storylines in which a character's queerness had a critical role to play. A striking example is that of Dorian Pavus, a fashionable and sassy sorcerer who was proudly marketed as the first openly gay male character in mainstream gaming. Whilst his storyline is filled with all kinds of wizardly from time travel to blood magic, its emotional core centers around a confrontation with his father who in disapproval of his son's sexuality had previously turned to dark rituals in the hopes of converting his son back to normal. The game also introduced the character of Krem, second in command to a gang of mercenaries called the Chargers. 
initial conversations with Krem mostly concern his military background. It is only revealed much later during a jolly old tavern scene that Krem was not born in a male body and deserted the army because of it. As he was chased across the country, the leader of the Chargers decided to step in and assisted Krem in the brawl. He invited him to join the mercenaries, a place where Krem could finally let his military skills flourish while being fully accepted for his past. The characters of Dorian and Krem provided the Dragon Age series with a new kind of queer representation. They were a testament to the struggles of our community and a celebration of our quirks. However, their stories were not the only kind to be told. Sarah was the female leader of a Robin Hood-like network of ruggish well-doers whose romantic interests are just as exclusively gay as Dorian's. Yet, her storyline had nothing to do with her sexuality. The part of her character was just there, telling the audience that someone's queerness is just one of many other qualities that make up a person's identity. Going through puberty in the 2000s and early 2010s, I did not have much access to queer representation. The internet was not yet as widespread in its usage as it is today, which meant queerness as a whole definitely didn't feel as normalized as it does now. The few images of queerness I did encounter were either too discreet for me to notice or they were of facets I personally did not relate to all that much. But then, on that warm August evening when I first entered the gritty world of Dragon Age, I was finally presented with a role model that managed to speak my language. After all, I knew I was a geek way before I knew I was gay. Recognition in fiction can bring the greatest of comforts to the loneliest of people. And for a moment, Dragon Age gave me the feeling that I was not that alone in my struggles after all. But what the game did for me, it may not have done for others. Luckily, gamers have more and more queer-friendly options to choose from. The Mass Effect series, also by Bioware, and The Last of Us by Naughty Dog are probably some of the best-known examples. Though this data is still insufficient to draw sweeping conclusions, the online LGBTQ video games archive shows an exponential increase in queer representation during the last decade. The story of queer emancipation and by extension queer representation is one of progression. To me, this franchise stands out as a testament to how fast this can happen. Featuring the unapologetic queerness of characters such as Zevrin, the series launched as a diamond in the rough. It tried its best, but still had much room for improvement. In five years, the developers took major steps, moving beyond opt-in storylines and stereotypical representations to a more sophisticated world that confidently presented a range of fully developed, diverse, queer characters from Dorian and Krem to Sarah and so many more. The journey of the Dragon Age series is not unlike my own. Since that lonely summer evening in 2009, I've gone from playing games by myself in a small bedroom with the curtains closed to sharing my experience openly, feeling nothing but pride. Did you like listening to this story? Dive into all our readouts from this issue or previous ones, or listen to our narrative Are We Europe stories wherever you get your earful of audio right now. And don't forget, you can also become an Are We Europe member and connect with storytellers across the continent starting at €4 Euros a month. Just go to areweeurope.com member 
and help us build a new media for a changing continent. That's reeurope.com slash member.